This is your Kick-Ass Life Podcast, episode number 189 with guest Tanya Geisler. This is the Your Kick-Ass Life Podcast with Andrea Owen, a no BS guide to self-help and badassery. Because ladies, let's face it, life's too short for it to not kick ass. And here's your host, the girl who serves it up straight with a side of crazy, Andrea Owen. Hey there, ass kickers. Welcome to another episode. Guess why I'm so excited? Yes, because it's the week of Christmas, presents and all of that. I hope you had a great Christmas for those of you that celebrate it and are having a happy holiday season. But also, I'm excited because I'm excited with so many things because the guest today is awesome. The guest we had yesterday on the recovery series was awesome. It's just been an interesting and great year. And I start my book tour in a few days. I leave for New York City on December 29th. I am going to be doing a book event on January. Watch me botch all these dates. (laughs) Maybe I should just tell you to go over to the show notes because I am notorious for telling someone a date and I get it wrong. This is why I have Emily on my team who takes care of all of my schedule and makes sure I don't make any massive mistakes like this. I'm almost certain it's January 6th. Yes, it is. It's January 6th. I'm doing an event in New York City. You can check the location in the show notes. Yourkickasslife.com forward slash 189 is where you will find all of the links for all of the cities that I am visiting in January. It's going to be a very busy January for me. I'm kind of hopping all over the country. Fingers crossed because I'm bringing my kids. I'm actually only doing one at a time. It's a lot easier than bringing both of them. I'm bringing my son to New York City. We're going to be gone for like eight or nine days. And I am then coming home, then getting on a plane a few days later, taking my daughter to Chicago, where I am doing workshops in both of those cities. Y'all, I'm doing a workshop in New York City and Chicago. As of this recording, we have a couple of spots left in both of those. Those links are, again, in the show notes. And also... Please RSVP. I would love for you to RSVP to these book signings that I'm doing in various cities. If you can't make it to the workshop, but you want to come to the book signing, that's super awesome. I would love to see you and hug you and take pictures with you and sign your book. This is a really big deal that I'm actually doing a book tour. With my first book, I opted out. (laughs) I'm going to go into more detail about that in a podcast episode in February. I'm going to talk about that. Definitely some upper limit stuff with that. I'm not going to get too much into it here today. But if you haven't purchased my book yet, I am humbly asking you to do that. I've mentioned before that pre-orders are actually extremely important to authors. Those numbers really matter to us. And the book's actual birthday, by the way, for those of you that are new, you're like, what is the name of the book? It's called How to Stop Feeling Like Shit, 14 Habits That Are Holding You Back from Happiness. I get really excited when I talk about it. And I forget that somebody, maybe this is your first episode that you're listening to. The book's actual birthday is January 2nd. That is when it is hitting the shelves. We're actually going to be on the front tables at Barnes & Noble. I believe most Barnes & Noble, those first couple of weeks in January. So if you're doing any after the holidays shopping or if you have to return some books in Barnes & Noble, hopefully not my book. (laughs) That'd be sad. But you can see my book on the front tables. Take a picture of it. Tag me. That would be super awesome. It's it's very exciting as an author to get that honor. And for those of you that have already pre-ordered the book and are sharing it on social media, 
Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much from the bottom of my heart. And please know if you're using the page where you claimed your bonuses for the book, Again, that link is in the show notes. That is entering you for a contest to win a bunch of different prizes. And my son and I will be on Facebook Live January 2nd doing the drawing to announce the winners. Please know you don't have to be present to, although it would be cool if you could, but we are going to be on at 7 p.m. Eastern time on my Your Kick-Ass Life Facebook page doing that drawing. He's very excited to be doing that. A little apprehensive, I think. He doesn't really know what he's getting into. (laughs) But as we wind down this year, I have been podcasting. I really should go back and look at what I can't even remember exactly what year it is. You know, we have nearly 200 episodes. We have over a million downloads. And this podcast was born actually because I was writing my first book and I could not sit down and write any blog posts because all the creative energy that I had was going into writing the book. And I thought, well, you know what? I will just start talking. I don't even think I had a mic back then. I just started talking into the computer and recording episodes. And it's just painful. I have not gone back to listen to one of those very first episodes. They're awful and unedited and some people pull them and like edit them and clean them up. And I'm like, no, you know what? I want you to see the beginning (laughs) of how this all works. And you know, it's just real life. So those are there if you want to go back and listen to them from years ago. But it really was born from a place of I have so much information and tools and strategies. And I have also been sort of having you tag along this journey with me in my own personal development path. And I thank you for coming with me and bearing witness to my own stuff and my own struggles and the emails that you send me telling me about your own aha moments and commitments that you're doing in your own life to use your voice and live bigger lives and be courageous and honor your values are so extraordinarily heartwarming to me. So I just wanted to say those words because I don't feel like I say it enough and just thinking all of you, all of you listeners and people in the YKAL community, thank you so much. I could not do this without you. I could not do this all alone. So thank you so much from the bottom of my heart. And switching gears, I'm so excited to bring you today's guest. I was very intentional about the guests that I was bringing on around the time of my book launch. I wanted to talk about specific topics that are in my book. And I looked at experts that talked a lot about those. And Tanya Geisler is one of those people. She has dedicated her professional and probably personal life to helping women conquer the imposter complex. The imposter complex is one of the 14 habits that I talk about in the book. And I was so glad to have this conversation with Tanya. We talk about everything from leadership to fear of success to the cultural messaging that we as women hear growing up. And of course, the imposter complex. Tanya's been on before talking about the same topic. So I'll drop that link in the show notes for you. Cause again, I know you're going to love her as much as I do. She's just one of my favorite people in the world. Truly, truly. Before we jump in, let me tell you just a quick little bit about Tanya. She's a certified life and business coach, TEDx women speaker and writer, teaches women how to step into their starring roles, own their authority and overcome the imposter complex in their life, in their work and in their life's work. So without further ado, here is Tanya. Hello, Miss Tanya. Thanks for being Hello. here, babe. 
Hi, honey, honey, honey. Good to I'm be here. So excited to have you on for a second time. It's been a good two or three years since you've been on. So all the people who are just meeting Tanya for the first time, the link is in the show notes for the very first episode I did with you, which I actually, I send people that link a lot because of the topic around the imposter complex, which I know is kind of your thing. Mm-hmm. It is the thing that that doesn't get like pinpointed, I think, a lot. And so we're going to dive into that a little bit. But I'm, I'm just I'm so excited. I've been looking forward to this for so long. Because, <laughs> a, I love you. I've known you forever. And, and you and I go way back to the beginning of time in terms of the coaching world. Mm-hmm. And B, because I just think you're fantastic in the things that you talk about. So the first thing I want to talk about is the, let's talk about the fear of success. because I personally don't have any of that in my life. (laughs) 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 She laughs hysterically. Oh my God. Love it. Love it. That thing, you know, we hear so much about, you know, the fear of failure and the fear of rejection and and all these like things. But for my, a lot of my audience fears success and a lot of them don't know it. Mm -hmm. So what do you think? Mm. Well, I love that you're like, why, why just wait on in, right? Like, let's dive in oh, with a big grandmama. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> so yeah, it's, it's up. It's big. It's huge. And so often people are like, no, 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 that's not actually a thing. Oh my gosh. It is such a thing. And it is so in the way we have programming. We have narratives running in the background that we're not even aware of that are telling us that when we become the version of successful that we imagine, everyone's going to disconnect from us. Mm -hmm. So like, I just went to the bottom of the pool because that's really at the base of each of our fears. I'm not going to be able to, you know, the people who are early adopters of my work, they're going to feel alienated. My family is going to be concerned about my success or my family. I'm going to be too big. I'm going to be so all of these things. Like if you get into and underneath each of these, people are going to be jealous and they're going to, they're going to disconnect. People are going to feel alienated. They're going to disconnect, right? So it's, it's at the base of it. We fear we're going to be alone. And for so many of us, connection is a really core, core, core value. So to lose that, it's terrifying. So that's why we stay where we are because everybody's happy except for us. Right. Right. It's, it's easier and safer to stay where we are. One of the things that I have found personally and in talking to women about the fear of success is the sustainability of it. Mm-hmm. And as well as how am I going to keep improving or how am I going to top this? If you own your own business, how am I going to scale this? I find that to be another fear as well. So if I just kind of like keep the bar really low, <laughs> that's easier too. So here's the reason I'm not at all about getting rid of the imposter complex. First of all, you're not going to be able to do it anyway. But the second is that the reason you ever, you experience the imposter complex, and I said this the first time we spoke, you experience it because of your strong values of mastery, integrity, and excellence. Mm -hmm. So why would we want to remove that aspect of ourselves that's so inextricably linked with the imposter complex, right? So the fact of the matter is there's always going to be room for improvement. You've just got to get, you've got to just trust into your capacity to keep showing up, to keep reaching. And it's so important that we 
keep track of what we have done. So I feel like there's like so many different directions that we could go just with that one concept in and of itself. But that's one of the lies of the imposter complex is that you're never going to be able to pull that off again. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So so then the the next statement is like, so why bother? So that's what's been happening when people are sort of concerned that they're not going to be able to scale. They're not going to be able like that's the the reason you have had the success that you have had global you is due to the fact that you keep showing up with your talents and your skills and your will and, and this desire for mastery, this hunger that keeps you on your edge, that keeps you on your game. It keeps you sharp. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. So for, I'm going to, I'm going to back up a little bit because for anyone, I wrote a whole chapter about it in my book and the Cliff Snows version for anyone that hasn't read it. First of all, how dare you? Second of all, <laughs> <laughs> second of all, it's my kind of quote unquote remedy for it is just massive self-awareness around it. Like know when it is running your life so that you can, what I like to say, like get out in front of it. And so can you give us kind of your Cliff Notes version for anyone who's just tuning in today and who is like, what is this imposter complex she's talking about? Give us a 30 second explanation. All right. Big fan of attributing my teachers. So Pauline Clance, Suzanne Imes, back in 1978, were working with high-functioning, high-achieving women. They noticed that they seemed to be incapable of internalizing their success. So any success that they had, they would attribute to luck or fluke or timing or having somehow managed to pull the wool over somebody's eyes. Failures, no problem internalizing. So they spoke about it as the imposter phenomenon. I call it the imposter complex. Syndrome is sometimes used. That's probably the most commonly used. It's not technically correct because it's not a clinical diagnosis. So that's the, you know, Cliff Notes version of the sort of (laughs) the drier piece of it. For me, it has three main objectives. It wants to have you doubt your capacity. It wants to keep you out of action and it wants to keep you alone and isolated. That's what it's working on. So anytime that you are, so then we have the strategies that I always point people back to answer those very specific objectives that it's trying to achieve. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. I, mm-hmm. I, I love this topic so much. And I am, I'm just like, if you could see me right now, I'm like sitting on the edge of my seat, just like, yes, yes. Well, okay. I, it's so funny because of all the chapters of the 14 habits that I wrote about in my book, imposter complex was the one where I kept telling myself, I'm like, I don't really feel like I struggle in this area. Like all the other areas. Yes. But there was a couple of them that I didn't. And imposter complex was one of them. And then I was reading something that you had written online or something. And, and you said, I know what you're going to say, you know where this is going, right? Yeah. (laughs) You said, if you don't struggle with the imposter complex, I don't believe you. And I was like, (laughs) what? And okay. So (laughs) then I realized where it does, it does come up for me. So I was there. I was minding my own business, thinking about my second book coming out. And I, I felt like now that I have two books out that now I'm a real author because the first time could have been a fluke, you know, (laughs) Mm -hmm. well, you know, maybe the publishing company wanted a book like mine and they just were like, let's go out and find, Oh yeah, this one looks good. And we don't really care if she's a good writer or not, but we like her brand or something. You know, that was my thought process. And then Mm -hmm. when it happened again was when I felt like, Oh, okay. Now it's legitimate. So that's imposter complex, right? Yep. Yep. So book number two, you're bonafide. Yeah. (laughs) So what I'm pointing to in that piece that you're talking about, I so love that you called me over that. It's great. What I'm really pointing to is the fact that, I mean, let me be clear. There are lots of places in my life I don't experience the imposter complex. I love yoga. I have 
absolutely zero need to become masterful in it. Therefore, I don't have any imposter complex around it. But the places that matter with a fire of a thousand suns, my parenting, my speaking, my work, my writing, these are the places where it's going to crop up every time I am at the precipice of something big Mm -hmm. and new and important. That's the difference. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that's probably why I figured that I didn't. But, and there are some things that I think I am masterful at. Like, I think that I am masterful at teaching, you know, in, in groups and things like that. The things that, and that both matters to me and is something that I have worked so hard at doing well. But, and I, do you see it more in creativity or is it kind of all over the board? You know, I, there's not a single conversation that I have where somebody's, where where this comes up where it's like, where is, who has that the most? And the truth is it's creatives who, you know, who have kind of a little more abstract thinking. Another huge group that I talk to are engineers where like precision and specificity runs the show. So it does not discriminate. Yeah. It does not discriminate. It is, it's up for women. It's up for men. It's up for people of color. Like it's it absolutely everywhere. Here's one of the really specific things that, that I that I do need to point to. It wants us. So we're, we're tribal in nature, right? Mm-hmm. So we want to belong. So Anytime we don't feel like we belong, we're going to feel it a little more acutely. So if we see, let's say in politics, for instance, the center of the universe here in North America is the white, able-bodied, cisgendered male, mm-hmm. right? So any concentric circle that has you distanced from that center of the universe, that's like one more degree of imposter complex you're going to experience. So, okay. So that's just like a really like overarching sweeping thing. So just to, just to point. So when I work with women in engineering, this is what's happening. They're far away from the center of that universe. So, and then of course, when I talk to groups of women and there are men there, they're having a different experience. So we've got to be really mindful of how it's going to show up for different people in different contexts and different situations as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, yes, I could see how that would happen. And you, I know that you briefly talked about, you know, this cultural messaging that we hear growing up. And I think that I forget exactly what it is that you said when you said it. I thought also for women specifically, and it's, you know, women listen to this podcast. The majority of my listeners are women Mm -hmm. that we also hear that it is not, it's kind of frowned upon to own your accomplishments. And, you know, nobody wants to be seen as somebody who's too big for her britches or bragging Mm -hmm. or things like that. So how do you help women? I'm sure that's this whole vast toolbox that you have, but can you give us a little bit on how you help women move away and maybe even for some heal from the cultural messaging that we hear and that we've come to really be committed to this messaging? Yeah. Okay. So there's a couple of different ways to back into this one here, because what you're speaking about is diminishment. And that's actually one of the six coping mechanisms that we go to so we don't feel like an imposter. Okay. Mm-hmm. Is that the same so, like as minimizing or is that a different one? Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Totally. Totally. So what's happening here is we don't, because the worst thing to feel is like the imposter. So we have these places that we go to, to avoid that experience. So for instance, well, I'll just name them. Procrastination is one perfectionism, diminishment that you're speaking to comparison, leaky boundaries and people pleasing. Mm -hmm. 
So of those six, and I, I have a little more I want to say about each of these because these are double binds. And this is why this work is so never endingly fascinating for me because these are all double binds, meaning they get you kind of coming and going, but you'll notice the leaky boundaries, the people pleasing, the comparison, the perfectionism. These are pretty core to use the term, um, Joe Casey coined feminine conditioning, right? So mm -hmm. we can see that these are like a big, like really up for us as women and women identified people. So these are the places we'll go. So, so it's going to be that much more deeply entrenched. So here's how it looks. I don't want to feel like an imposter. So I'm going to make sure that I work two to three times as hard as absolutely everyone around me and make sure that things are perfect, like mm -hmm. squeaky clean, perfect, perfect, perfect. But here's the problem. Because we look around and go, why do I have to work two to three times as hard as everybody else around me? Clearly, I am the imposter. Right. Okay. So that's what I'm talking about. Like these double binds that mm -hmm. get you coming and going. People pleasing, probably, this is probably the one that's up the most for me in an effort to make sure that we fit in and make sure that everyone likes us. You know, we're going to do whatever it says. We're going to use our charm. We're going to count on our likability. Here's the problem. The moment people pleasers are given invitations or opportunities, we go immediately to the, they're just being nice. Mm -hmm. They're just giving the opportunity because they like me, not because I'm actually wildly, wildly talented in this realm. So that just, again, just further entrenches that sense of imposterhood. And then same is true for each of those six. But then here's the crazy thing about it. They all actually collude with each other. Yes, and these they all overlap. Are, they all overlap and they all like, they're like, yeah, it's, you know, perfectionism, procrastination and leaky boundaries and diminishment. Like it's all the same. So to answer your question, how do I just recognize that that's what's actually happening at the base of this here is this fear of being an imposter. So then we come back to what it's here to do, right? Having you, keeping you out of action, having you debt your capacities and keeping you alone and isolated. So we got to come back to the strategies, which are meeting the critics, like really learning what we are up against here. What are realistic objections? What are inner critics? What's the narrative that needs to get untangled here? And then we need to bolster our authority thesis, which is all about proving to ourselves everything that we've done. I've already written a book, right? <laughs> and then the third is to get social and make sure that we are well surrounded with our people. There's obviously like, this is my nine month program that I've just yeah. lost through in two seconds, but you know, that's what we need to come back to. Every single time you have ever heard Tina Fey or Chris Martin or anybody talking about the imposter complex and how they overcome it time and time again, they're talking about one or more of those three strategies. Yes. Yes. Well, I wrote about all of those in my book. So you have to write your book, woman. <laughs> I can't like I said, wait. It's written. It's just the proposal that is kind of damn proposal. Well, like, mm -hmm. I know that like everything you're saying, I'm like, yes, yes, yes. And you and I have the exact same messaging. We just explain it a little bit differently, which I think is so important for people because yep. people resonate and hear things differently, even though it's the same thing over and over again. But I love what you talked about at the end. And that's exactly what I say the solution is too. And, and I think it's, it's that, again, it's that massive self-awareness and knowing when you are doing it, because to me, and what I talk about all the time is that 
we have become so accustomed to doing all of those things that, that you mentioned, the perfection and the, the procrastinating, the leaky boundaries, et cetera, et cetera, that, and we do them as coping mechanisms. And I always say like, and it kind of works for a while until it mm-hmm. doesn't. <laughs> and that's <laughs> exactly. when I start listening to these kind of podcasts and, you know, reading self-help books because they're like, something's not working. And sometimes they know exactly what it is and sometimes they don't. So for those of you who are sitting there going like, I don't know what, and that, that's why I tell my book, you know, how to stop feeling like shit because women kept saying like, this feels like shit, you know, like, I don't know what it is. And, <laughs> and yes, enabling your tribe. And what I have found really helpful is getting really clear. I'm sure this is part of your program too, getting really, really clear on what your values are. Cause your values are never the same as nobody listening has a value around people pleasing. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I think we have exactly. value around leaky boundaries. <laughs> no. Yeah, right, right, right. No. Like, no but one. they might have a, but likely they have a very strong value of connection. So yes. that's where it gets, that's where and it gets messy, right? Yes, mm-hmm. yes, absolutely. Yeah. And excellence, which like, where is the line between excellence and perfectionism and giving back and being of service and people pleasing? And that's where it gets confusing. Absolutely. And work needs absolutely. to be done. Absolutely. Work needs to be done. All right. I want to switch gears a tiny bit. And because I know you talk about leadership and I feel like the word leadership, when women hear it, they think of it's a corporate role or running a nonprofit. But I'm curious, how do you define women's leadership? Okay. So where I usually start, I I talk about people stepping into their starring role. So that's just the language that I use. And one of the first places in everything I do, it's that determining what is the role you want to step into, right? Like what is it? And Mm -hmm. oftentimes it's leader and it needs whatever the role is that you're working with next. It actually, this is why the starring role process and the imposter complex sit right next to each other, because it's imperative that whatever it is you're going to be stepping into rankles the imposter complex just a little bit, because then that's why I was saying, I don't necessarily trust people. And then tell me that they don't ever experience it because the next thing you're wanting to step into is a little bit bigger than you. So if it's a little bit bigger than you, that's where it's going to show up. Like I say, it shows up on the precipice of something new. So leadership, I have time and time and time and time and time again, what I come back to is that it is shorthand for personal sovereignty. Uh-huh. So this is this like really felt sense of, you know, rooted. I'm actually doing a class this week. So it's, uh, have passed by the time this comes out, but where I'm talking about unshakable confidence. Mm-hmm. And to me, that's also what leadership is. And there is this triumvirate of presence is really knowing who you are, integrity, knowing what you stand in, and then action. And so that when those three pistons are firing, (laughs) not even sure that's the right metaphor, then you are in this unshakably confident place. And that to me is leadership. From there, you can do the things that you're here to do, change the world create the movement. And that leadership is informed by your sovereignty. Mm -hmm. Hey there, ass kickers. We are interrupting this conversation to bring you a quick word about one of our sponsors. Planning a wedding can be stressful. I know I've been married twice. Registering for gifts should be easy and fun, right? I want to tell you about Zola, the wedding company that will do anything for love. From engagement to wedding and decorating your first home, Zola is there combining compassionate customer service with modern tools and technology. It's free, easy to use, and fun. They are reinventing the wedding registry and planning process to make the happiest moment in couples' lives even happier 
because you don't need the added stress. Zola has over 500 top brands and 50,000 gifts, experiences, and cash funds too. That's a big thing I love about them. If you want someone to buy you a wedding gift that's your honeymoon airfare, dinner and a movie when you get home, or a charity fund, Zola can do this. So easy to use for couples and their guests too. Buying a wedding gift, no more going into the store, printing out all the pages, looking for something that hasn't been purchased yet that's still within your budget. And they have price matching and free shipping every day. To sign up with Zola and receive $50 credit towards your registry, go to Zola.com slash kickass. That's Z-O-L-A.com slash kickass. I love that definition and and I'm glad that you said it. And I and I I've actually you know, all the women that come to me, especially my private clients, they're leaders and some of them yeah. don't see themselves that way. And mm-hmm. it doesn't have to mean that you're in this, you know, very exposed role in the public eye or anything like that. It can be a leader in your community or a leader in yep. your family. Again, you know, like what you're saying, you know, starting a movement, doing things for yourself mm-hmm. that, and, and I know, you know, anyone listening that you have something, you have something that you want to be doing more of or in a bigger way, a more impactful way that matters to you. And I really love actually that people are starting to question that we are all questioning what leadership means, because there's a way in which it it used to have a very patriarchal context to it. You know, there's one at the top and we're seeing that paradigm shifting. So it's important that we all understand what personal leadership means for us because we're part of that shift. So really understanding what it is that we are, who we are, what we stand for and what we're going to do about it. That's leadership. Mm-hmm. Yes. This pump. Mm-hmm. <laughs> How has this work impacted your own life? Because I think sometimes experts get put on pedestals and people don't realize that we have to be doing our own work on the same topics as, at the same time as everyone else. <laughs> we might We might be like in a different place on the path, but I have found that personally, like when I'm teaching this work and talking about this work, I can't sleep at night if I'm, if I have something, you know, that I, that I need to work on. So how has this work impacted your own life? Well, I always call myself a reluctant expert because here's how the universe works. The moment you decide you're here to teach something, you're really clear that you're here to teach it for you to be in integrity. If that's important to you, which it clearly is to both of us and to people listening, I'm certain of that. Then you gotta, you gotta make sure that your material is solid. So that's why, that's why your life like just gives you lots of opportunities to feel like an imposter for me. Right. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Okay. Do I actually know what I'm talking about here? Hmm. All right. Tool, 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 tool. Yeah, I got this. I'm good. But time and time again, you know, and so I'm going to Portland next week and teaching an actually very small group. And I've never done a really small group in person. I've, I've spoken to thousands of people. I've worked with, you know, hundreds of like groups of hundred, but I've never worked with this. And all of a sudden my imposter call was like, Oh, wait a minute. Like, what's that going to be like? Right. So great. I've got my tools. I come back to them. So I, I, you know, I, I joke about this all the time that Danielle Laporte, she writes about desire, right? So that's what she gets to experience to make sure that it's nice and fresh for her. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, Randy Buckley talking about boundaries, rest assured, she comes up against boundary stuff all the time to just so to make sure that it's all, you know, tickety boo. And that's, you know, I live and breathe this work. So it's constantly being challenged and that's just part of the gig. Yeah, I have found that to be true. You know, what's funny is that when I first started life coach training in 2007, yeah, it was February 2007, I remember signing up. And I don't know if this was on a conscious level or not, but I 
wanted to help other people badly and I did not want to look at my own stuff. (laughs) (laughs) I thought I could get by. (laughs) I very quickly, very quickly found out that was not true. (laughs) I was like, Oh, wait a minute. (laughs) No, I don't want to talk about me. I don't want to talk about me. Let's talk about you. Oh, that was painful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And can I just say from a personal standpoint, though, then you did your work, right? You yes. were part of Mastermind and I was in one of them, right? Where it was like, all right, here's what I see, right? Because that's the integrity move to make sure that your stuff is clean. That's the thing is, is surrounding yourself with people whom you trust, but also mm-hmm. not the people who are going to coddle you and tell you what yeah. you want to hear. And, and don't surround yourself with a bunch of people pleasers. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> Nothing's going to get done. You're going to get only the good stuff. And I talk about having, I call them like your compassionate witnesses. You know, these people who are, can witness your pain and witness your shortcomings too, because we mm-hmm. all have them. And I have had some, some hard stuff thrown at me. Maybe that's not a great term to use. Handed to me gently mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that has served to improve me greatly. And, you know, I've gotten feedback from class participants and things like that, you know, where I, I could get get all uppity and defensive and that's not helpful for anyone. And I think anytime we get defensive and it might be a place to look, not always, but might be a place to look. Yeah, absolutely. I just think it's really important to, to make sure that you're surrounded by, and this feels very tender to be able to be surrounded by people who can hold your pain and your joy. You know, that's not always available to us. And that is a place of deep wounding. We, you know, we've had that experience that what Gay Hendricks speaks of the, the sin about shining, right? We've had that experience where the too big for your britches kind of thing, that narrative is the reason we have, we struggle with celebration and we struggle with joy as an emotion. And I know that Brene Brand does a lot of work around that. Did you, you did some training with her, right? I did in 2014. Yeah. Mm-hmm, okay. Training. Yeah. You know, so have people that can be with your pain and and call it out, call out, sorry, not your pain necessarily, (laughs) be with your pain, call out your shortcomings and also be able to be in your joy, in your celebration, because that is we do not have enough of that. Yeah, it's really interesting. The whole, and for, for those listening, what Tanya was referring to is The Big Leap by Gay Hendricks. And we will put a link in the show notes and he calls it The Sin of Shining. Mm-hmm. I remember that it was in the beginning mm-hmm. of the book. It's a, it's a great book, short ish read. And it is for anyone who, anyone who struggles with this, what we're talking about. Yes. Mm-hmm. Go read that book. Yeah. And it's the outshining bit, right? It's yeah. like, that's the fear of success that we were mm-hmm. talking to the very top of the call. Like what happens if I shine brighter than you? Well, you're going to disconnect from me. And that's the worst thing that could possibly happen, which is why I want to stay small and not shine too brightly. I have massive fear around that. And yeah. it was interesting when I, when I had my first book, a couple of, couple of things happened. One was when it came time to do the promotion and everything, I purposely only had one book event. Well, I actually, it was like one and a half. I, I had a really small book event. We were living in Utah at the time and I did it at a coffee shop and I invited like four people. I'm not exaggerating. I invited like four mm. people. They all came. And, <laughs> and then I did, the other event was in San Diego, my hometown, where I knew that I, I had both a fear that nobody would show up to these events and that everyone would show up. Right. And so I knew if I just did San Diego, it would be safer because 
and, it, and most of this was in retrospect, I think. Like, I, I don't, I, well, no, I might have been conscious of it at the time. So San Diego was safe because I, I knew all the people. But then when the time came to actually have it happen, I was so uncomfortable because these are my people. And these, you know, most of these people knew me way back when, when I was a hot mess. And, but in reality, these people were so fucking proud of me. There was not anybody there who was like, mm, who do you think you are? <laughs> Nobody. Of course. And it's so ridiculous. I was so terrified. One of my friends actually texted me later that night and he was like, were you okay? Like you were acting really weird. And I said, that was the mm. most uncomfortable thing I've ever experienced in my entire life. And these are people that cared about me, but I have, here's what's weird too, Tanya, is that I know for some people, it is a reality that their family is uncomfortable with their success. Absolutely. And they say things like, Oh, are you too good for us now? Like passive aggressive comments and some just like straight up mean comments. But yep. for, I think for a lot of people, myself included, nobody has said anything and it doesn't even exist but we make it exist. I am afraid that my family will think that I am, I am too good for them. Or you know, I'm the first person to graduate from college for my family. And it's like, that's a whole nother thing. And so it's this rising up that I've had and I, I don't know what to do with it. Like I feel yeah. different, but I'm not. Do you know what I mean? That's, it's weird I to do. me still a little bit. There's about 15 different things in there that we could talk about <laughs> literally for days Shit. because the, the hazard of having other life coaches on your show. Oh my God. Like there's nothing in there that is not just ripe for like huge discovery because this, you know, we do have, first of all, when you were talking about everyone's going to show up or no one's going to show up. Okay. That's the competence extremities that the imposter complex really loves to point out either a raging success or dismal failure. There's nothing in between. Okay. That's usually one of the ways that we know that we're dealing with the imposter complex in some way, shape or form. That's the third lie of the imposter complex. So like, there's no room for nuance. There's no room for in between. There's no room for it's just like, it's this or it's that nothing else. So our job when we hear that is to go, really, like, really this or that nothing in between. Cool. The other place is when I hear myself or hear other people talk about everyone is going to think your job is then to go, who are exactly are these everyone, everyone, right? <laughs> the guy at the bodega, it's like, right. <laughs> the UPS driver, it's like three people and like one person you don't even respect. <laughs> so, you know, like how rhetorically sound is this, right? Like, so that's where we really need to get curious about that. And if we want that to be our excuse, so be it. You're allowed to have whatever excuse you want to not show up. But if you're serious about showing up, we need to get really granular. So that's part of the meeting the critics and like really getting up in its face about mm -hmm. the narrative that's running. Then, you know, there are certainly there are going to be people in your life who are far more comfortable with you where you are. They're worried, right? They're worried about what the fame success is going to do to you. They've got their own limiting beliefs that are running their beliefs of what's available to you. They might have some legitimate concerns for your safety. You know, like there are all of these things that are happening and that doesn't make it any less true that it's not your agenda, but they're running their own agenda. But so we just need to get really clear and maybe, you know, maybe we don't need the seal of approval from absolutely every member of our family because we have enough of our people who want us to succeed. Our people who are the kind of people who will lift us up, who will be with us in our joy, in our grief, in our success, in our failures. If we have enough of those people, you know, Aunt Franny, bless her cotton socks, but what she thinks doesn't actually matter in the weight of this entire community that have our back. 
Yeah. Well, and it's, it's interesting because with the second book that has come out, I, I knew it was coming because I've already experienced it the first time. So again, I was able to get out in front of it and, and know like, this is probably going to happen. And so I used all my tools and I, I did the opposite. You know, I planned events in various cities and it scared the shit out of me. And I also, you know, and, and like you were saying, like I have met my critics and I'm, and it's so hilarious because this is what I teach. So I know, and I've, I've been doing my own work really diligently and one of the things that and this is the part that I find so interesting is because like you were saying, you know, you don't need the seal of approval from everybody. I think I'm pretty sure I have the seal of approval from my family, mm-hmm. not everybody. Cause I don't know everybody, but more specifically, I'm talking about my family, but I keep thinking to myself, like, are you guys sure? Are you, are you sure? Like I'm I... giving them an out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. And this goes even deeper, which is a time for another totally different podcast with trust issues and abandonment issues yeah. and family yeah. of origin stuff, which goddamn it still keeps yeah. coming up. Like it's like a cycle and, and, and that's, that's what that is. So I do have my own therapist and I have my own coach and, and definitely y'all, this is what comes up. This is the kind of stuff. Yeah. And yeah. And I sit there with like my palms sweating, admitting all of this stuff and she calls me on it. And yes, the dichotomous thinking. Mm-hmm. So I answered the question about how, <laughs> about how we have to do our own work. <laughs> Turn the tape. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Anyway, back to you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Thank you for that. And I have one more question before we wrap up. Yeah. I like to ask my, my guests this question and that is tell us one thing you are proud of right now. And one thing you're struggling with right now. Is this personally, professionally or any, any, but- anyway, any P. I am so excited about teaching this masterclass on unshakable confidence because it was like, it is such a compliment to the imposter complex work that I've been working on for such a long time. But this was the, this was a missing piece and it literally, it just came through in a 30 second download. And I just was like scribbling and Venn diagram. I was like, Oh my God, this is it. It was like, there's a movie. I can't remember which one it is where all of a sudden the formula becomes totally clear. And like, that was the, is it the beautiful mind? I think it is. <laughs> Bless you. Now that email can go out. Cause I literally am like, I'm missing the, what the movie. Thank you, honey. That's it. So I'm really, really proud of that. And really excited about that. And that feels so good. It's been a while since I've been, you know, I love talking about this. It's not new to me. So there's like, so I get this really well, but this unshakable confidence piece is there, there is like, well, what is presence and what is integrity and what you, so getting really into and under that's very, very exciting. And I'm very proud of that, that it's like, yeah, no, I'm going to keep going until this feels complete. So that's good. And struggling, you know, I, I'll just say straight up personally, my dad's really sick and just trying to be there and be here is tricky, you know, so it's just tricky. So I'm, I've got lots of support and all is in hand as best it can be in hand, but I'm struggling. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and you and I were talking about that beforehand and I'm just, I'm sorry to hear that. It's like I was saying, it's never a good time for that to happen. And I am just so, I'm honored to know you. And so I have so much respect for the work that you do in the world and everyone, the links to the things that Tanya mentioned will be in the show notes. And I think that you should all go out and read everything she's ever written and (laughs) sign up for her stuff. And thank you so much for being here. 
Oh, honey, thank you. It was a such joy and an honor. All right, everybody. Thanks again for listening every week and tuning in. I am so grateful for you and spending time with me in these podcast episodes. And until next time, I will see you out in cyberspace. Bye-bye. Hey, ass kickers, you know what would help me out so much if you left a rating and review for this podcast. Your Kick-Ass Life podcast will always be free to you and to help me get more awesome guests and to spread the word, it helps tremendously if you leave a rating and a review. Now, they don't particularly make this super easy to do, so I'll help you out a little. If you're in iTunes and you're on your phone, when you are in the podcast app, you need to search for Your Kick-Ass Life podcast. I know, even if you're subscribed, this is how you do it. So when you search for it and you see it come up, click on the cover art, then towards the top where it says reviews, click that, scroll down a tiny little bit, and then click write a review. Stitcher is a bit easier if you're on Android. The easiest way I found to do this is to type into Google stitcher.com, your kick-ass life, and voila, my podcast should pop up as the first link. Scroll down and click write a review. That's it. Thank you so very much. You have no idea how much it helps me when you do that. All right. I'll see you next time. Bye-bye.